Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners. With more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. The pitch from Acevedo. A drive deep to right field. Down the line. The Mariners win this game 2-1. to one. The dream lives. They're going to the playoffs. The drought is over. Cal Raleigh. Wow. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Are you kidding me, Cal Raleigh? Oh, still can't get enough of that call from Dave Sims. Still can't get enough of that moment. Can't get enough of that weekend. But you know what? You listen to that call by Dave Sims of Cal Raleigh's home run that clinched a a playoff spot for the Mariners for the first time in in 21 years. The part that sticks out to me that rings in my ears days later is the Mariners are going to the playoffs. And that is what's happening tomorrow. And it feels almost like still kind of unreal after – the magic of that moment back on Friday when Raleigh hits the home run and sends T-Mobile Park and the entire Northwest region into a complete frenzy. But tomorrow it's real. Like, this feels like the day before Christmas, you know? It it feels like you're going to get some presents. You may like some. You may not like some. But that's the beauty of playoff baseball is that it is the ultimate test. It is the ultimate battle between teams between managers like you're going to see some some moments that are going to have you pulling your hair out They're, you're going to have some moments that are, are going to elicit the most raw emotion out of you as a sports fan and I I hope that we're all ready for this because I know I've waited 21 years for this I know you have waited 21 years for this that's a long time to wait there are Mariners fans that haven't even seen playoff baseball in their lives like that's how long this drought is but you know what? I'm ready for it. I know you're ready for it. And and it, it's crazy to think that it is it is real. It is happening because of what has happened over the last couple of decades here. I was 10 years old the last time the Mariners made the postseason. Now I'm 31. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a, a baby girl who's 17 months old next week. Like I, I think of her and it's like this doesn't happen all the time. Half of her life, she has seen the Mariners go to the postseason. Whereas with me, I mean, yeah, I've been alive for every postseason trip, but there was a, a big gap between trip number four and trip number five. Curtis Rogers with you here on Extra Innings, a late night edition right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. We are going to spend the next two hours previewing everything you need to know about this Mariners wild card round matchup against the Toronto Blue Jays, a big series starting tomorrow, Friday, on ESPN, but also right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. We have got plenty in store for you. Brandon Gustafson is going to join me in about 15 minutes, as he always does, a playoff edition, the first ever playoff edition of Extra Innings. But we begin by just looking back, because you can't help but look back when the Mariners are embarking on something that they haven't done in the span of two decades. And you've got the guy who you want on the mound, the guy you traded for, the guy who you have given a five-year investment to in Luis Castillo. And I look back at this season, and the trajectory of it, I think, was altered in the biggest way possible 
by that 14-game winning streak, which involved four wins over these very same Toronto Blue Jays, the team that the Mariners are going to face tomorrow at Rogers Center. I I look at this Mariners team right now, and if that 14-game win streak hadn't happened this season, who knows where where this franchise would be in, in 2022, on October 6th, 2022. Because if that 14-game win streak doesn't happen, maybe they don't climb back into contention for a wild card spot. And maybe because of them not being in contention for the wild card, they don't go out and trade for Luis Castillo. And then obviously, if you don't trade for Castillo, you can't give him a five-year extension. Now, maybe they go out and pursue him in free agency this upcoming offseason. But thinking of where this team was prior to that win streak and, and, and where they are now, it, it is almost night and day in terms of in terms of just the hope that this season has brought Mariners fans and what next season could potentially do. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because there is still this season and there is still the possibility of the Mariners rattling off a bunch of wins. And, and it, it's wild to think that the Mariners actually have a shot at playing for a World Series. Like that's that is what is on it, that is what is at stake here in the postseason. And, and yeah, maybe you can can sit back and say, oh, well, I mean, the, the Mariners are, are just happy to be here. Whatever. That's not the vibe you get in talking to any of these guys down in that clubhouse. They know the task at hand. They know the goal ultimately is to win a World Series. I don't think any of them are simply happy and, and coasting by on just breaking the drought. I mean, it, it was great. The moment we we played the audio to start the show, the the moment on Friday night. Uh, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that was the biggest home run hit in Mariners franchise history, but because of that moment, you now open yourself up to the possibility of experiencing more moments like that. Could you imagine a home run bigger than Cal Raleigh's? Well, there there is a very real possibility of moments like that happening now that the Mariners have clinched a postseason berth, now that they have advanced to the playoffs, now that they are going to square off against the Toronto Blue Jays team that, yes, the Mariners are very different from where they were the last time these two teams faced off, but so are the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays fired manager Charlie Montoyo the day after getting swept by the Mariners in four games. They hired John Schneider, not the Seahawks' John Schneider. There's a different John Schneider, uh, so don't get those two confused, but the Blue Jays are a very different team from where they were earlier this season the last time these two teams played. But man, oh man, this series is going to be one of the biggest moments in Mariners franchise history, obviously. But we talked about Luis Castillo. On the opposite side, you've got Alec Manoa in Game 1. These are two ace of aces. Manoa was an all-star this season. Luis Castillo gets that five-year extension. He is the Mariners' ace. These are two top-flight starters in Major League Baseball. Both teams have really good pitching staffs, and, and it's going to come down to which team does not blink, which team's pitching staff does not blink, because if the Mariners are able to keep the Blue Jays' bats in check, I think they have got a tremendous opportunity to advance to the American League Division Series. It's going to come down to pitching. It really will. The Mariners can ill afford to let games get out of hand, to let games play in the Blue Jays' favor of high-scoring games where it's you know 8-7, 10-9. You don't want that. You don't want that at all. You want to play Mariners baseball. I mean, look, that game where they clinched a playoff berth against Oakland, it was a 2-1 to ball game. 
that is the that is how the Mariners are going to play their game in the postseason and hopefully come out victorious. I, I look at this Blue Jays team right now and they are a very, very formidable bunch. I look at playing games in Rogers Center. That does not seem ideal. I mean, we all know the history of, of Blue Jays baseball in October. Their biggest moments have all happened at home. You've got Joe Carter's home run in the 93 World Series to beat the Phillies in, in six games. You've got Jose Bautista's bat flip against Texas where he sent that place into an absolute frenzy. And then you've got Edwin Encarnacion, his home run in the American League uh, wildcard playoff. And that set the place on fire as well. It is a building in which teams do not look forward to playing in. But if you want to take the words of Paul Seawald, if you want to take the words of of really anybody on this team, there is a belief in this ball club. And, and look, they feel like we can play anybody, anywhere, anytime. If we play the Yankees, we'll worry about that. When it comes, we play the Astros, we'll worry about those guys when we get there. We got to win. We got to win our series probably against Toronto before we get worried about the Astros are the best team, or if we beat the Astros, we have to play the Yankees. We have such a long road to get to play those teams. Um, nobody in here is really focused on that. We're excited to be in the playoffs, and we're ready to play anybody, anytime, anywhere. That's the way we've played all year. Uh, we feel like our 26-man roster is as good as anybody's when we're when we're at our peak, and we're going to go to Toronto probably, and we're we're going to be ready to rock and roll. The last time we played them, we swept them for four games here, and kind of. Kind of embarrass them. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna come out pretty motivated after that. And you know, we're just gonna have to get back to work and, and continue our great game plan and winning the last five against them. That's Paul Seawald, and uh, I would imagine Seawald is gonna have a, a big role in this series. It's gonna be interesting to see the chess match between the two teams because this is the first time not only that the Mariners have played playoff baseball, but this will be the first time, or in the last two decades. But this will also be the first time that Scott Service has managed playoff baseball. And now, conversely, it'll be the first time John Schneider has managed playoff baseball, the Blue Jays manager. Who is going to have the edge in that matchup? Because your manager and how he balances out his pitching staff, uh, when does he go to the bullpen? We're going to see relievers enter the game very early, like earlier than way earlier than anybody can anticipate because that's how important these situations are. High leverage situations happen all the time in, in playoff baseball. When tomorrow's not guaranteed, you're going to see a lot of things uh, outside of the ordinary. And we're not talking Luis Torrens getting the win in relief. Like that, that's not going to happen. I'm not talking about that, but you're going to see guys out of the bullpen enter the game and maybe like the second or third inning if things start to snowball on either team. But the Mariners have a bullpen that I think can can withstand. They have a bullpen that can pitch any day of the week and, and a bullpen that can keep the Mariners in ball games and shut down the opponent. I mean, you've heard it from a lot of people across baseball. The Mariners' bullpen is is one of the most impressive units in all of the league. So I look at that chess match. That is going to be something that I'm very, very much excited to see. And I think service can very easily uh, – assert himself as as the better of the two managers simply because he's been managing for what six seven years now in a Mariners uniform whereas Schneider has been doing it for half a season if that there is a very big experience factor on the Mariners side in that dugout in terms of just overall managing uh, experience so I look at that it is going to be just an absolutely amazing time this week 
uh, this weekend, I should say, Friday, Saturday, possibly Sunday. Uh, we have got a lot to get to over the next two hours, but joining me next year on Extra Innings, it is a show favorite, one of my favorites, Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com, as we dive more into this Mariners-Blue Jays series. That's coming your way next here on Seattle Sports Station, the Mariners Radio Network. You are listening to Extra Innings, inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, I would not leave this guy in the regular season. No, no. Got to take him to the playoffs with me. It's Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me now. And Brandon, it's playoff time. It's been 21 years. This feels so new. I'm, I'm a bundle of nerves right now. I don't even know how to handle this. It's been so long. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Like, I don't think it's really hit me yet. I honestly don't think it's going to hit me until either tomorrow or whenever they're their playoff run ends, whether that's this weekend or, or in a few series from now, or hopefully, you know, with the with the World Series title, you know, them lifting up the trophy. But uh, it, it is pretty surreal. I mean, I, I I've said it before. Like I was six years old in Mrs. Smith's class at Muckleshoot Elementary, first grade, the last time the Mariners were in the playoffs. So uh, uncharted territory for a lot of us here. But uh, but it's been really exciting. I'm really looking forward to the matchup. Definitely. You speak of this matchup. Uh, let's take a look at tomorrow's starting pitchers. Luis Castillo, Alec Manoa. You could not ask for a better pitching matchup tomorrow. Uh, when you look at what Toronto brings to the mound with Manoa, uh, what about him makes him so difficult uh, for not just Mariners hitters, but really everybody that's faced him this season? Yeah, he's a he's a big dude coming at you, and uh, he's got electric stuff. He was an all star this year. He's a younger guy. I mean, the, you're talking about a guy who's six six and nearly three hundred pounds, and just pounding the zone mid nineties. He's got a really good slider, really firm changeup that, that he's able to use as well. Uh, he just gets after. He really doesn't he doesn't walk a ton of guys. He's not a huge strikeout guy as you'd think for somebody who's kind of a power pitcher, but. He just gets the job done. He he doesn't really get hit super hard. Guys just have a really tough time barreling him up. I mean, I'm looking at his stack cast page right now. He's in the top 10 percentile in, in hard hit rate. And for a guy that just pounds his own like he does, that's not super common. So uh, Mariners lineup has obviously been kind of hit and miss this year, and they've really uh, gotten hot and cold at times. Sometimes they've surprised us with just how well they're able to do against some of these top arms. Like that, that start in New York against Garrett Cole kind of comes to mind. And then Sometimes they, they just kind of struggle, but when you have a guy like Luis Castillo on the mound for you, I mean, he's going to keep you in this game as long as he can before turning it over to the bullpen. And I think that uh, the Mariners' brand of baseball, I, I, I think that really does tailor to this kind of postseason matchup. And hopefully the Mariners are able to just get one or two off of Alec Manoa because that might be enough to get it done. That's what it took uh, earlier this season with the Carlos Santana home run off Manoa. That was the only run yeah. scored in that game by the Mariners against Toronto in a 2-1 to victory. Brandon, when you look at, at tomorrow's pitching matchup from the Toronto side, obviously Manoa is is one of the game's very best, but the Mariners will counter with their very best in Luis Castillo. We've seen Castillo in moments this season I don't know if it's loose focus or maybe kind of take his foot off the gas pedal, kind of those starts against the A's come to mind. But also we've seen him rise up to the occasion, uh, the start against the Yankees, uh, actually both starts against the Yankees. The one that stands out to me mostly is the one against Garrett Cole where they both were dueling, throwing shutout inning after shutout inning after shutout inning. When you look at Castillo and just the kind of pitcher he is, 
do you expect him tomorrow to to be that guy that rises up, or or if there is any sign of trouble, is it going to be a, a quick hook for him? Yeah, it, that that's where it gets so interesting because you really in the in the regular season there are a lot of times where you're able to kind of just try to let a guy ride it out. You can't really afford to do that in playoff baseball and getting down in a in a one zero hole, especially in a series where all it takes is two wins. You really you really can't afford to do that, but. As you've mentioned, and it's something that Scott Service has talked about, he talked about it today, he's talked about it before, like Luis Castillo's a big game pitcher. He's really risen to the occasion for the Mariners this year against some really good opponents. That's when we've seen him really at his best. Like you mentioned, that start against New York, the game that went 13 innings, I mean, he was he was nearly perfect. He was unbelievable that game. And you got to expect that Luis Castillo's going to be on his game. We've seen the, the velocity, the, the spin, everything's kind of ticked up since the Mariners went out and acquired him. And uh, he ended the season on a really high note this week, too. He looked really sharp in that last start against Oakland, I thought, and a lot of swing and miss. And, and Toronto doesn't swing and miss a ton for a team that is just as good offensively as they are, and they can hit the ball out of the ballpark, but they're so right-handed heavy. I think that uh, Luis's stuff, being able to kind of run it in on those right-handed hitters and, and able to use that hard slider away to hopefully get some swings and misses or some weak contact, I think it is a pretty good matchup for him just based on that alone. But, yeah, I mean, if you're looking across baseball in some game one matchups this weekend, it's hard to find a better pitching matchup than, than Luis Castillo versus Alec Manoa. Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com joining us here on Extra Innings, a playoff edition of Extra Innings. And, Brandon. Yeah, that feels good to say. You know, it feels incredible <laughs> to say. Maybe there's going to be some more of these. Uh, I believe Monday would would possibly be our next one. So, uh, Brandon, don't, don't wander off too far on Monday. But uh, <laughs> also, Brandon, looking at how the Mariners kind of plan out this starting rotation, we heard from Scott Service yeah. today uh, kind of say that in Game 2, it is tentatively Robbie Ray, depending on how game one goes. Logan Gilbert would probably get the game three start if it came down to that. Uh, what do you make of the Mariners? Not necessarily uh, you know, going all in right now on Robbie Ray being their game two starter. Yeah, I, I think ultimately that's that's what will happen. I think Ray will, will get that ball in game two overall. Um, you know, Rob, Robbie's had his struggles here and there. There was the stretch uh, at the beginning of the season where his ERA was regularly around five. Then he really turned it around outside of two starts against against Houston. Uh, he kind of had a few hit and miss uh, starts here and there over the over the last month of the season. But uh, I think overall, Robbie's got the the stuff and the and the the track record to go out and be that kind of guy, game two type guy. Uh, and he pitched really well against Toronto in the one start that he did make against them. He he obviously didn't make that first trip to, to Toronto. Uh, he started, I believe it was the game right before they went on that road trip. But he, he got them at home and he pitched exceptionally well. I think it was just one run over six innings. And uh, that, that two-seam fastball, because it's a right-handed heavy lineup, is going to be really important for him. And it's a lineup that doesn't chase, so he's got to be really, really sharp with the slider because this is a team that could easily drive up his pitch count. And, and we've seen that at times where even if he's only given up one or two runs, that he, he really can't get through five or six innings because guys are just piling up those foul balls on him and, and they're not really biting at those pitches that other guys do. So uh, it, it's an interesting matchup, but, but just based on what we saw this year, I think Robbie can absolutely go get it done in game two. And, and Gilbert's seen them twice. I think the start at home wasn't quite as good as the first start, and when he was in Toronto and that start kind of got skewed a little bit because of a misplayed ball in the outfield. But I think you got to feel really good about the three guys that you do have and having George Kirby waiting in the wings. That's uh that's not a bad thing either. Having a guy that can go out and go multi innings too. 
Definitely. It is uh, an embarrassment of riches right now in the Mariners' starting rotation. Brandon, it feels like every outfielder the Mariners have has some kind of nick or bruise or is just banged up in some way. Hanniger obviously has dealt with his fair share of injuries. Julio has. Kelnick takes the hit by pitch the other night. He doesn't start game 162. Winker goes to the IL. Haggerty goes to the IL. Who is left? And, and then we see yesterday Cade Marlowe, someone who has never played at the major league level, <laughs> hops on the team flight headed to Toronto for this playoff series. Uh, outfield depth right now, a bit of a concern. What do you see from potentially their usage of Cade Marlowe? Is this just a pinch running type of guy, or is this going to be somebody that maybe gets some ABs here? Yeah, I mean, uh, you would hope that they don't need to actually activate Cade Marlowe. <laughs> that would be uh, that'd be one heck of a spot to have a guy come in and make his MLB debut. Not only is this, the, is this like, hey, playoff baseball, but hey, playoff baseball for a team that hasn't been here since you were a little kid. <laughs> so it's a, it's a little it's a little bit interesting in in that situation. Um, I ultimately don't think they're going to need to use them. I think we kind of saw towards the towards the end here. Uh, kind of outside of Kelnick and, and Winker and Haggerty, but with Julio and Haniger able to get off their feet a little bit, getting some days off, getting some DH days uh, once the playoffs were, were kind of clinched. I think that those two will end up being okay. doesn't seem like Kelnick's issue is, uh, is too major either. And, and the good thing with, uh, with Kelnick is that they're right-handed heavy too in terms of the, the Blue Jays' rotation and their bullpen. So uh, it seems like you're probably going to have a, a, a pretty typical three-man outfield versus more of a platoon situation uh, going forward for the Mariners, at least in this first series, uh, which should help kind of keep things even. And, and then that kind of lets you use Dylan Moore, who we haven't really talked a whole lot about, just as that kind of a bench weapon that we kind of expected Sam Haggerty to be. Dylan can play all around the diamond, defensive replacement. He's one of their best base runners, best base stealers. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how Scott manages all of it. I think that ultimately the outfield will kind of take care of itself and be a little more set in stone than we've seen this year. But just seeing how Scott's able to use his bench and his bullpen, I think, I mean, that, that's where you got to make your money as a, as a playoff manager. Brandon, this Mariners team obviously lacks a lot of playoff experience. They're going to be thrown into the Lions' den. Rogers Center is uh, a madhouse when it comes to playoff time. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to tell you, you know, some of the most in- incredible moments of the last decade in playoff baseball have happened in that building. Uh, how do you feel about this Mariners team getting thrown into this pressure cooker environment right out of the gate? Well, they, they, I mean, they'll, they'll be the first to tell you they thrive in chaos. <laughs> True. Like, the, the, they're, they're they're a team that just loves to go out there and and just play you know uncharacteristic type baseball games, just winning weird games that that most teams don't expect them to to win. But when you got forty five fifty thousand people that are just going to be absolutely insane for for nine whole innings, I mean the the thing is it'd be nice if this Mariners team is able to go out and and pile some runs together early and, and kind of take that crowd out of it a little bit. That's just that. That's not how the Mariners have typically operated this year or even last year. So uh, it's going to be close. It's it's going to be electric. I think that we're really going to see just how important the Mariners' bullpen is because I think that the rotation is going to do just enough to keep it close, and then the bullpen is going to come in and have to do their thing too. But you mentioned that lack of playoff experience. This is a situation where you'd really love to see Carlos Santana come through. I mean, he's somebody who's played in a ton of playoff games from his time in Cleveland. He was a key part of a World Series team in 2016 with Cleveland. So seeing him probably being the everyday DH, given that Jesse Winker is out, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing if Carlos Santana can kind of be that guy that, that rises to the occasions, kind of that heartbeat guy to just be like, hey, guys, it's, it's still just baseball because 
you know emotions are going to be high. Everybody's going to be really amped up given that it's been 21 years since this franchise has been here. 21 years, the wait ends tomorrow. He is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Read him at SeattleSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at TheBGustafson. And Brandon, I hope we talk again on Monday because that will have meant really good things for this Mariners series. Yeah, I mean, if they're able to get through this, that's going to be really fun, seeing if the Mariners can go out and head down to Houston and take out the big bad Astros. I know everybody would be really looking forward to that. Brandon, really appreciate you joining me, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully talk again. Yeah, you bet, Siraj. I'll uh, hopefully I'll pencil I'll pencil you in for Monday. How about that? Sounds like a plan. Coming up in a little more than a half hour, Ben Nicholson Smith of Sportsnet in Toronto. He joins me to help preview this series against the Blue Jays. But up next, Scott Service stepped to the podium today for his pre-playoff media availability. Let's take a listen to his press conference. That's coming your way next. Here on Extra Innings on the Mariners Radio Network and Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Are you coming down to the Mariners' wildcard viewing parties at T-Mobile Park this weekend? Make sure you stop by our Seattle Sports Live broadcast at Hatback Bar and Grill. We'll be taking you all the way up to the Mariners' pregame show at noon on Friday. That's tomorrow with Bump and Stacy starting at 10 a.m. And again on Saturday at 10 a.m. with a special Mariners playoff show hosted by Mike Salk, Bob Stelton, and Ryan Roland-Smith. And if you haven't seen the Hatback Bar and Grill yet, you're going to want to check it out. So get to Seattle early and come say hello. Curtis Rogers with you here on Extra Innings on the Mariners Radio Network and Seattle Sports Station. Scott Service talked to the media prior to today's workout at Rogers Center in Toronto. What did he have to say about his team as they embark on very uncharted territory around here? Let's take a listen to what Skip had to say. Typically, I got something that's about the game that we just played. So uh, <laughs> we're into the uh, the second season, and um, really excited to be here. Our, our group is fired up. Um, you know, long travel night uh, last night getting in here, but you'd never know it today. Should be. Uh, this is something we've waited for for a long time and worked very hard towards. And uh, we're excited. Our fan base is excited and uh, ready to get after it tomorrow. So I'll take any questions. Guys are excited. Uh, that, that's the biggest thing, um, you know, is you try to get, and we certainly we had our challenges getting through the last few games, uh, trying to stay healthy. Uh, it's amazing when you get to game 163, the first game of the postseason, how everybody feels much, much better. Uh, adrenaline, that's the rush of, of getting out there, going through a workout, knowing what's uh, ahead of us tomorrow. And uh, the challenge that is ahead of us, uh, I think the biggest thing. And, you know, all teams react differently to it. Um, this is our first go around here with the Mariners in quite some time. Um, many of our players have never been in the postseason before. Fortunately, we have a few that have been. And, uh, you know, those are the guys you really lean on. That's who the other players lean on, whether it's a, the Carlos Santana's. Robbie's been around a little bit. They understand uh, what it's like and, and the kind of the the wave of emotion that goes on through a playoff series. So, uh, again, Adrenaline's high. Our guys are ready to go tomorrow. Yeah, one second. It's Tony. Uh, Scott, you were 29 and 39, I believe, at one point in June. Yes, we were. Thanks for reminding me. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it got progressively better from there. If you had to isolate two or three things that allowed you guys to be where you are today, what would those be? Yeah, it's a question we've got asked a lot here over the last few weeks. And we were at a low point in our season. And um, from my seat, anytime you get 10 games below 500, it's the danger zone. 
because it's so hard to get back above 500 again. And certainly aspirations and goals are to get into the playoffs. And you know you have to get there. But you really got to take it a game at a time. But at that moment, we were in, in the middle of uh, a, an offensive drought. We were really having a hard time scoring runs and, and specifically hitting with runners in scoring position. So, you know, you, we had a, a very um, beneficial uh, team meeting, hitters meeting. Um, and I just uh, I called the guys out and asked them to talk. I think it's really important that you listen to people and listen to our players, but you can only do that if you give them the platform to talk. And, and I and, you know, forced our guys, what do you got? What do you think? What's going on here? And let it go. And I just sat back and let those guys discuss where we're at. It did not turn that day. I wish it would have. We got shut out that day. Okay, but I felt so good coming out of the meeting. And we got shut out. We went on a road trip, and we started to get it going. Uh, we won five out of six out of that trip, and towards the end of that trip, we got into uh, a little bit of a brawl uh, over in Anaheim. And I really think the combination of that meeting, understanding we were starting to play a little bit better. Now, when you come out of uh, kind of uh, when you have a ruckus like that with another team, oftentimes it galvanizes your team. It really brings them together. And that's what I, I saw from our team at that point. And we started to roll. We started to do more things offensively, and our pitching really carried us. Our starting pitching uh, has been so good throughout the year. Uh, and when you're in every game, and we play a lot of close games, we have a, an ability to figure out how to win them, and, and we won a lot of close games. Hey, Scott, uh, would you be willing to give us an idea what the lineup looks like tomorrow, and how close are you to finalizing that roster? Yeah, I think the roster's pretty well set. You know, we'll, we'll definitely release that and let you know where we're at. You know, with that, I think the lineup, uh, you know, it'll be pretty similar to what we've seen all year long. There may be a little bit of an adjustment uh, based on the opponent you're playing and, and what it looks like they have to offer out of their bullpen and whatnot. But, uh, you know, we'll post all that stuff tomorrow and you guys will get a look at it in the morning. Scott, when you, when you watch the postseason, it appears that the, the bullpens take on added importance. Do you believe that? And could you talk about how your bullpen may be built for a short series like this? There's not a team in the postseason that doesn't have a good bullpen. That's how you get there. You've got to win close games. You know, the Blue Jays have a very good bullpen. Every team in the postseason has got a good pen. I love our pen. Yeah, it's really been the anchor of our team. It was last year. Um, along with our starting pitching this year, it was a, a complete pitching staff uh, effort that did it. But uh, we certainly lean on those guys a lot. Um, the, that group that we have continues to evolve, and you see the roles change a little bit. And uh, I think we've been very creative in how we use guys. Um, you try to get your best pitchers in the highest leverage spots. It sounds easy. You don't always know when those leverage spots are coming or the highest leverage spots coming. So it's got some challenges there. But when you've got multiple multiple options you feel good about who you send out there and uh, I, I like our guys a lot I trust them uh, their ability to to strike people out their ability to get head in the count make pitches when they have to make them and we play good defense behind it and, and that's what it takes so uh, uh, yeah the, the, the decisions you make when to go to bullpen how frequent to go to bullpen it's critical at this time of year it really helps if you got a, a deep pen and I believe our pen's very deep Scott you um said yesterday that Julio was made for the bright lights, the Rebels, and when did you know that he would flourish in such a stage? Was it early on in spring training? Was it the home run derby? When did you know that this kid kind of rises to the occasion when all eyes are on him? You know, if you go back to Julio's season, certainly got off to a rough start. And uh, I've talked often how impressed I was and how he handled 
uh, things when they weren't going his way. And then they started to turn. And you saw the confidence grow and just take off. I think if there's a, a moment for Julio, uh, I go back to you know, the first home run he hit down in Miami uh, against one of the better pitchers in the league. Um, he, he carried that on. He had a great series in New York against the Mets. Um, I thought that series was, was a lot of fun for our young players. Uh, the environment at City Field was awesome. We ended up winning that series. And then it started to kind of take off from there. Um, the home run derby. I gotta be. It surprised me a little bit that he handled it as well as he did, and not only handled it, he reveled in it. It was awesome, um, and I think you know when you look at young players and and what gets thrown upon them in this league, and certainly with an organization that we hadn't been in the playoffs in so long, but but he puts his arms around it, and he's the guy. And I've, I've often mentioned he's the guy that grabs the flag, charges up the hill, and everybody runs behind him. He's got a ton of confidence. He's a great player. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he reacts in this environment here because I think it's going to be very positive, and he'll continue to lead our team. Scott, um, on-field advantage was talked a lot about uh, in the end of the season in this race for on-field advantage. Uh, Rogers Center hasn't had playoff baseball since 2016, and the last time it was pretty crazy with the bat flips and the, the walk-offs. How do you prepare such a young team, such an inexperienced team in the postseason to face that environment that should happen again tomorrow? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's one you have to be aware of. I think you have to understand, or I make the comment to our team and coaching staff, expect the expected. There's going to be adversity. There are going to be things happen that maybe don't go our way. Um, the Blue Jays have a very good team. But if you expect the expected, you know there's going to be momentum. Momentum shifts throughout the course of a game, an inning, whatnot. I think the most important thing is you recognize, recognize the moment you're in. We're in this moment. How do we get out of it? How do we turn the momentum back in our favor? And it's usually by doing the little things that allowed you to get here. Uh, because if you try to do big things, it typically doesn't work well. You do the little things that allowed you to get here. And for us, it's, it's having good at-bats. It's keeping the line moving. It's, it's taking a walk, getting a single, trying to have, you know, just, just have a good at-bat, and all of a sudden something big happens, and you get right back on top of it again. So I think the biggest thing, and you talk about young teams or teams that haven't been in the playoffs for a long time, You keep it small, you, stick, you stay committed to doing the things that allowed you to get here, and you'll be just fine. So um, I think it's one of the things that I, re I enjoy. I enjoy you know, being a part of an environment like this, and um, I know our coaches are excited, our players are as well. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Scott, that sweep that you guys had of Toronto in, uh, in, in Seattle back in July uh, was maybe the low point for this team. I'm just wondering... Uh, From the scouting reports you've gotten and the different, uh, from what you've seen, how different a group is this right now from the one that you encountered back then? The Blue Jays team. Blue Jays team. Yeah, certainly we haven't played them in a long time. And every team, I mean, it gets so different as the season goes on. And uh, we had a number of come-from-behind wins in that series. We did sweep the series. And I thought that was a, a series that was pivotal for our season, moving in the right direction. Um, but... Again, the Blue Jays have a very talented roster. Uh, the lineup, uh, you know, a very productive offensive team. Uh, I, I think their bullpen has uh, gotten healthier. Um, they've been able to sort that out, and they've got a very good bullpen. The backside of their bullpens is one of the best in the league. There's no question about it. So, um, you know, everybody, oh, we, hit, we played well against these guys early, or we match up well against this team. When you get to this point in the year, teams are so much different than when you were a couple months ago. So, um, you know, they've had a heck of a run. 
Um, to the question earlier, they were able to secure home field advantage. It, it, you know, is it an advantage? Yeah, it's an advantage, no doubt about it. But um, I've said about our team, you know, we certainly respect everybody. Um, we don't fear anybody. And I think that's fair to say. I think a lot of teams would say the same thing. So we're looking forward to it. Jay's got a good club. We had a good team. Hey, Scott, you, you obviously have Luis going tomorrow. Um, you have four starters. Can that change how you slot it out from two to three games, two to three? Or have you locked in on who you want to start two? And if you have to start three, how do you want to do it? Or could the results of Friday change what you want to do with your starters? Yeah, it, it could. I think right now, you know, we're lined up. We'll certainly go Luis Castillo tomorrow. Um, the plan right now is to go Robbie Ray after that. Um, and then Logan Gilbert in game three. That could change. That very well could change. Um, we also have George Kirby in the wings. And George has had a fantastic season. Uh, rookie year, he's been one of the better pitchers in the American League here the last couple months. Um, so, you know, he will play a role in this series. Uh, at what game, what juncture he will insert himself in, I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, the game kind of tells you. Uh, but between George and the rest of our bullpen, our starting rotation, the strength of our team is our pitching staff. There's no question about it. Um, and, you know, got a lot of confidence in any of the guys we put out there. Scott, you were just talking about how different teams are over the course of time. Um, so how different are you from the last time the Blue Jays and, and their fans saw you in the first week of July? Yeah, we're, we're quite a bit different. <laughs> we have a right fielder now that was out almost four months of the season. And in 2021, Mitch Haniger was probably our most productive offensive player. And we missed him for almost the entire year. He is back. He is healthy. He's ready to go. Uh, and every team deals with adversity. You lose players throughout the year. But uh, that, that's probably the biggest uh, with our club is you, know, you take and insert him in the middle of our lineup. Um, you know, and looking at our team, there's always going to be hot and cold streaks with certain players offensively and how they're going. But uh, I think the, the other thing that has really emerged is our catcher. Cal Raleigh has had a phenomenal two months. Uh, what he's done with the bat in August and September, uh, the, the late game home runs. We certainly saw a big one Friday night uh, to get us into the postseason. But those two guys playing a, a pivotal part in our offense is different than maybe what we were like last time we played the Jays. That's just a snippet of what Scott Service told the media today in Toronto. Obviously, tomorrow, a very, very big day in this Mariners franchise history. Joining me next, Shannon Dreyer, who was on the postgame show with me just a day ago, we take a preview look at this series against the Blue Jays. More to come on Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. In about 15 minutes from now, Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet up in Toronto. He will join me as we preview this Mariners wildcards round against the Toronto Blue Jays. A huge, huge best-of-three series coming your way tomorrow right here on Seattle Sports Station. I'm Curtis Rogers, and yesterday on the postgame show, I was joined by Shannon Dreyer. And Shannon and I, we did our best to help preview this series, and including why the Mariners' ability in close games, ability to pull out close games, I should say, really, really sets them up for success in a playoff format. Of course they were going to walk it off in Game 162. <laughs> of course they were going to push it to the limit. They were going to get as close to extra innings as possible. That's just how this team lives. It's how the, how this team has been making their hay this season. I look at this team heading into the postseason, Shannon. They lead the league again in one-run games. It feels like they've been playing playoff baseball now for a few months. 
It does. I mean, we can talk about how everything's been reliant on the starting pitching, and that's going to kind of take a step back. They will go to the bullpen sooner in, in these games that you must win. So that'll look a little bit different. But the bullpen has also been key. But you look at, and they had a great stat about a week ago, that ever since Jerry DePoto and Scott Service took over, the Mariners have led baseball in one-run wins and extra innings wins. It's something, you know, sometimes I think it's a little bit of a fluke, and other times it's something that they learn, and other times there's some strategy that comes into it, particularly with the extra inning wins. So, you know, they're conditioned to that. They know that. And the one thing that they have added in the second half, and I asked Scott about this a little bit later in this media session, is it was really interesting when they were breaking camp, Scott was still getting a handle on what this team was. And he said, you know, I don't know what this offense is, and it's going to take some time to figure out. And it took a long time. You remember, two months of all-out struggle, and then things got going, and you had a lot of those wins that you're talking about right now. But in the second half, they've been hitting the long ball. They've been hitting the long ball with the best in baseball. And that's an important part in the postseason as well. So when you see Julio Goyard today, when you see Hanniger do the same, when you see Suarez start to heat up, everybody's feeling pretty good about that. And service pointed to, especially when you're against good pitching, and that's all they're going to run into from now on. You can talk about how good the Mariners is. They're going to see the same on the other side. You cannot just, it's very hard to string five or six hits together and get one or two runs. You've got to run into a few. And they've shown that ability in the second half. And it's good that even with all the struggles they had on the last road trip, you see them start to fire that up again. And that is something that I think, you know, you can talk about the one-run wins, and you can talk about the pitching, but the home run is going to be prominent as well if they win this thing. Shannon, you mentioned their pension for, for the long ball. Since August 1st, this is courtesy of the Mariners Information Department, the Mariners lead the majors with 86 home runs, including the three that were hit today. Julio Rodriguez leading off the game, breaking Ichiro's club record for most home runs out of the leadoff spot in a single season with his sixth this year. Shannon, I mean... We have talked at length about Julio's rookie season. You're, we're running out of ways to describe it, but now we get to see him on the playoff stage and seeing how often he delivers in the regular season. I mean, I cannot remember a time I've been more excited to watch a, a single player across the league uh, make his playoff debut than I am for Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, and I think some things, I think it actually helped that he had that downtime. I don't think it was too hard to say, yeah, you know what, you're going to need to take 10 days. And as rocky as things have been, and as important as he has been, and Suarez has been, and Mitch has been, I think the downtime that they have had, I think, is going to help in the postseason, especially, especially for Julio, who's never played anywhere near this deep into a season so to see him start firing it up again and it's not just what he is this is i'm i'm gonna share a text from my mom if you don't mind (laughs) that is quite all right i do not normally do this this is not a a post-game feature that we have but my mom just sends the funniest (laughs) observations and sometimes they are just spot on julio is so happy to be playing all but kicking up his heels and then she mentioned a dog we had that used to do that as well um and then she said this is contagious. Yeah. And it is. And that, I think, is what was missing out there when he was gone. And I don't think I saw it until he was gone. And I think I understood it better after Mom's text. Thank you, Mom. 
Um, but you see that. You know, you remember the game earlier this season where he was smiling when he ran off the field after the game had been tied up in extra innings. <laughs> you know? It's like, I'm going to go win the ball game right now. Just you know, go home. <laughs> but it is contagious, and the teammates feel that, and they feel that energy both on the field and in the dugout, you know, if you've been around a person who's super confident, but also in sharing that with everybody else and showing joy in that, that's who you want to be around, you know, be it a friend, be it a work situation. That is something that he brings, and that will be something that the entire team benefits from in these games. And it's impossible to quantify, but it's out there. And it's going to be turned up because he loves the spotlight, and he's going to have that spotlight. So it should be an absolute blast to watch. But the other thing is, is I know that he's been working on things like his breathing and his meditating and everything so that he can keep it all where it needs to be. I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed by the moment at all and something that might help that was he was playing on the olympic stage a year ago for his country and that's a different kind of pressure altogether smart move for the mariners to let him go do that so i think he's going to be just fine and i think he's going to be julio out there probably julio large since the the stage is even bigger and the team should all benefit from that yeah that's a guy you want on your squad i think another stage in which we kind of learned that his ability to rise to the occasion was the all-star game, you know, in the home run derby, all eyes on him. He goes out and hits the second most ever in a home run derby with 81. I mean, this is a guy that wants all eyes on him. He's going to get that opportunity for sure. Coming up in this wild card round against the Toronto blue Jays, Shannon Dreyer joining me here on the post game show and, and Shannon, you, you look at this team right now as they head to Toronto, as they gear up for this massive, massive opportunity to, kind of introduce themselves to the baseball world in a way, because I feel like there is still an anonymity about this Mariners team outside of really the AL West and maybe outside of the American League, but uh, there are going to be a lot of guys on this team that uh, will no longer be just the uh, the known names here in town. I, I look at Luis Castillo as somebody who, even after the sparkling second half of the season he had in Seattle, he gets the ball in game one going up against Alec Manoa. I mean, that is going to be one heck of a pitching matchup. Uh, when you look at that starting pitching matchup, uh, I kind of feel like Castillo against Manoa might be similar to Castillo against Garrett Cole we saw earlier this season in that 13-inning marathon. Uh, I mean, it feels like Castillo is a guy that gets up for these kinds of moments. Yeah, and well, you know, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> that he tells <laughs> uh, Castillo is the most even, just, just absolutely even heartbeat, pulse rate out there as anybody. He understands how big this situation is. Um, I don't know that he gets up any more for this than he would uh, in any other game because he goes out there and he plays. If he is being himself, that's where he is all the time. And I think there's somewhere he wasn't quite himself this year. And I think he almost kind of admitted it in his press conference after signing the contract. Uh, I can't remember if it was with us in Kansas City or if it was the bigger press conference here. He really mentioned knowing that he needed to turn it up past 100% with this group. And he said he was responding to what he kind of saw around him. So, um, yeah, I, I think that he is going to be huge out there. But I think of every person that takes the field that day, I think he will without question be the most calm and comfortable out there at the start. Hey, well, yeah, and boy, that's going to be huge in an environment like Rogers Center, as we've seen in the postseason. 
uh, just kind of a madhouse in a way where moments like Jose Bautista's bat flip, Edwin Encarnacion's walk-off home run, you can see how crazy that crowd gets at times. Uh, Certainly helpful to have a guy out on the mound who, as you said, Shannon, is just as even keel as it gets. Uh, Shannon, when you look at this Blue Jays series uh, coming up for the Mariners, when you look at this lineup, we talked about Julio. We, we've we've gotten, you know, Mitch had the home run today. Who do you think is going to be uh, maybe not at that top level of guys of Julio or Eugenio Suarez, maybe even Mitch if you put him there, but who who is another guy that you look at in this lineup that you think needs to have a good series for the Mariners to have a shot? Oh, you know, this lineup, I think they all do. And then I think that you are looking at who's going to go the extra. And same guy that I said, I think, you know, back on Bump and Stacy uh, a few months ago, uh, there were two names that I gave when who, who, you know, if the Mariners get to where they go, who are the players that you were looking at? And you were looking for beyond the obvious. And at the time, Suarez was not the obvious. And I said Suarez and I said Cal Raleigh. And because they're the difference makers, because you expect that you are going to see Mitch be Mitch in a big situation. We know what Julio is right now. And Suarez, um, in addition to what he can be on the field, he's the heart and the soul of this team. And he, uh, you know, I he was there a couple nights ago when they lost the game that, you know, they still kind of had a chance at that home field advantage. You heard some uh, frustration in the clubhouse. I'm fairly certain it came from him, which is it takes a lot to get him there. And the words that I heard was, that one hurt. And this is from a club that very even, day in, day out, but they understood that they had a shot at something there. And so, you know, he cares, and I think that is so important. And then Cal Raleigh, and I think that this will help too. He, you know, He's so funny. Uh, you heard the the post-game interviews, he said, it's just playing baseball, you know, playing baseball like when I was a kid. No, there was no pressure. It's just playing baseball. Why would there be pressure with baseball? That's Cal. You know, this is a coach's son who's lived and grown up in the dugout. And that is genuine when he says that. And that's going to be his job to keep it there because he's not only got to take care of himself, but that pitching as well. And I think that, you know, he is almost every bit as kind of low heart rate as Luis Castillo is. And so if he can, you know, do a little bit of what we have done, what he has done at the plate, I'm trying to envision, I was trying to envision Rogers Center earlier and where's the hit here cafe? Where does that hit there? Um, You know, you hope that you can see that from him. And that's another name that I hope that we see a lot more recognition for too when the rest of the baseball world gets to learn about these players a little bit more because he just looks the part. It looks like he should be knocking out the light towers on top of everything else. You know, he looks like the guy when he's walking up to the plate, and he's certainly shown that <laughs> this week. And someday it'll sink in that that picture is going to be iconic and live forever. On the other side, Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet up in Toronto. He joins me to help preview this three-game series, this best of three series, I should say, against the Toronto Blue Jays. Winner take all. We are not going anywhere. Right here on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.